0: This is Karen with newclevelandradio.net and it is time for avoid the maze. And many of you know that I find most of my guests through podmatch.com. I am so excited that I joined this group a little over a year ago because I've met people that I never would have met in my lifetime. I just know I wouldn't have. But when I meet people through podmatch, I find now that when I'm walking down the street, I'm saying hi to people and having conversations because you know what? This really is a friendly world that we live in. And it begins with us making that motion of hello, opening a door, just making it a great day. And my guest today is... Orlando Fortune. I love the last name. It is absolutely perfect. Um, And you're an author. You're uh, a a speaker. And yes, we have a problem in the background. Um, We can't get rid of notices on any of the computers. So I apologize for all that. Um, So... You're an author. Mm-hmm. You are a motivator.
1: That's yes,
0: right. And we aren't just born as authors and motivators. Okay. Somehow we learn that. So give us a little bit of background, dear Landa. Like, how did you become the person you are today?
2: Wow. That's I got I'm 43 years old as of this. I don't know how to compress forty three years <laughs> 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 into forty three seconds. Uh, the, the long and the short of it is this: I have great had great parents that gave me a lot of opportunity that constantly reinforced the value of my name, and that you are fortunate you can do anything that you put your mind to. And I mean, of course, as you get an adult, you start realizing like I can't do quite everything, but as a child, you want to reinforce that belief and that self-confidence. And they did a very good job of doing that. There is an element in my, uh, period in my life where I decided to go test the rich man's drugs. And the rich man's drugs quickly made me poor because I was not a rich man <laughs> and took me down a path to where I was facing 12 years of prison. And it was in those, that moments where I had to decide, am I going to continue doing this because I was tired of going in and out of jail or am I gonna make a change? And, and that transformation that happened while I was locked up facing that 12 years of prison, I was in there for nine months, a rebirth, if you will, that I refocused all the things that I learned about being the, doing the right thing, about improving myself. My dad constantly said, be better today than you were yesterday. So reinforcing that idea of I can get better or no matter where I'm starting from, I can get better. Um, think about the spirituality. I was raised to be a spiritual person and necessarily care. My parents necessarily care. Like you have to be a Christian or anything like that. Just realize there is a God and he loves you. Whatever way you go, yep, exactly. <laughs> you go there. Um, that I'm an, I've been raised as an athlete so that I need to make sure I take care of my body physically. And when I, feel good and about the way I look and so forth that I'm going to feel good and present myself differently. Okay. Feel good. Look good. It's just, they go together. And that, um, emotionally that I was given the skills, like learning how to communicate that came through being around a a family that's always supported me. So if I speak with my family, not everyone would have that blessing. I cannot say that for anybody. This is my story, but I have a family that we talk, we talk we communicate with each other, whether that's anger, or that's love, whatever it is, we communicate, Wonderful. And we get through those things. And that's how we support each other emotionally as a family. So that's what I ended up leaning back on as I was, as I was, um, facing those nine months and that is years. I can mean it's hard to wrap all that up years of reading conversations and mentoring and coaching and being an athlete and all of those things all together, um, things start making sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. You know, there are so many um people that I've met throughout my life that when they make a mistake, yep. it could be a mistake as simple on an English paper in school mm-hmm. that tells them I'm never gonna be good anymore. And so their grades fall fall apart because mm-hmm. of one assignment. Mm-hmm. There are individuals who go out for sports and only so many can make the team. Yep. And if they're cut, they believe I'll never play a sport again my whole life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The problem with that belief system is that it puts us in this deep dark hole. Mm-hmm. And we just have no encouragement to move forward. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we do it to ourselves. And I know I I did it to myself a, a lot. Um, I'm not good enough. I'm, you know, I'm only going to go so far. Mm-hmm. But it was the day that I woke up and we all can wake up at different stages of our life. And I thought about all those positive elements around me. Like yeah. you're talking about your family. Mm-hmm. Yes, my family had those same type of conversations. Some you felt, Warm and fuzzy. And other times, it was like, oh, my God, this is awfully loud. What are you trying to tell me? Mm -hmm. But when you wrapped it all up, it was encouragement. Mm -hmm. And that's what we can give each other. It doesn't have to be from our biological families.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: So you spent nine months locked up. For some people, that would mean, well, when... I come home, um, you know, I'll probably do it again because you hear a lot of people say that, you know? At least I had a roof over my head
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and three squares a day. Yep. Was it really your family that made the difference or was it like you knew you made a mistake and you had to come clean?
2: So family in a sense of I... Knew that I had uh, a child on the way at a certain point. I knew I had a child on the way. Plus the fact that I wasn't raised that way. And I was, I, I'm a mama's boy. Like literally have a tattooed on my arm. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> I <laughs> love the it. that <laughs> The fact that I was hurting my mom. Like my mom's not a crier. My, my dad's the crier. Even though he's military, he's the crier. My mom is not the crier. So making moms cry, like that's a whole nother level of pain. And it was my fault that she was crying. How do I change that? How do I fix this? And then, so there's that level of family there, but then my, um, found out my, my daughter was going to be born. So I found a woman was pregnant. And so that was another thing like, Hmm, I knew there was a good chance that that woman was going to go back out to the streets. Who's going to take care of my daughter? Right. So that was, I mean, these are things I'm putting on myself. So in a sense, it was me, I'm looking for reasons to succeed. And it's, and I'm saying it slowly like that for reasons, looking for reasons to succeed. There's a great book. Um, and the name, the word, just the title just escaped my head right now. Uh, but anyway, it's talking about excusitis, and we have a tendency to make excuses for almost everything in our life. For whatever, whatever reason we have this, we have, we make excuses for a thing. We have to legitimize, we have to rationalize, we have to find some reason for why I was behaving and for doing the things we want to do, right? The logical part of that. And most of the time that comes to excuses and I can make excuses for why I'm going to fail or keep the state the way I am, or I can make Give myself reasons or excuses to succeed and i was looking for excuses to succeed in that moment and those are some of those things that came to me as the family um but also that i believe that god had put something on my heart that i was supposed to be doing something different because i honestly believe that i was like let me just be, be honest i was arrogant i knew god had blessed me with a bunch of skills abilities, mentally, emotionally, and still pretty and all that type of things. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I got time. He's got my back. He's already proven to me that he's going to take care of me. So I was just being super arrogant and he's <laughs> the way he, God proved to me that I need to pay attention and stop acting a fool was to sit me down. So there was another level, but God is still part of my family. Um, the, 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 the last piece here that I want to say is that, I look at even when I've read my emails, so my emails to my subscribers, to so people read, uh, read my follow-up on my no doubt nation and part of my daily fortune, I call them, Hey fam. That's how I start a lot of my emails. I don't see like their first name or anything like that. I say, Hey fam, or I talk about wealthy authors. So I believe that my family is much more larger than just the family of my born family. Right. So when I look at you as a sister, I look at other people, you know, the next man as, as my brother. They all become family. People are depending. My family outside of my personal family is depending on me to become the man I was supposed to be because there's people who were to be in, in my life that I'm supposed to transform them. I'm supposed to get them to the next level. I'm supposed to support them in some way. And I wasn't doing my part. I was going to let somebody down that was part of my family. So that was another level. What
0: well, In some ways, it puts a lot of pressure on you. Yes, but absolutely. on the other hand it gives us that reason every morning to wake up and as you put it in your bio make life happen mm-hmm. and absolutely. that's what that's what you were doing um and I have found that when I finally I always use it as when I finally grew up at the mm-hmm. age of, I said, I have spent my life trying to make everybody happy. Mm -hmm. Started with my parents, my brothers, friends, and I wasn't always succeeding Mm -hmm. because what I was doing to make them happy wasn't necessarily what they wanted or needed. It's what I assumed. And when I wasn't getting the reinforcement. Mm -hmm. I felt like a failure and then I kept trying harder and harder
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: it was a combination of things that made me wake up and say, I can't do this anymore.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I know my personality says that I'm a pleaser, but you know what? If I don't please myself first, I'm Mm -hmm. never going to please anybody else. Absolutely. And that's when the change came in me, and that's what got me so excited when I said, "Here's a man who totally understands yeah. that it's about making life happen for all of
2: us oh, as
0: yeah. we wake up each morning."
2: Mm-hmm. You know, there. I I have. I haven't really changed this banner. I don't know why I haven't, but it's been on Twitter for the longest years at this point, where it says a quote on there. It says, uh, the best thing you can do for the poor is to not become one of them. What does that have to do with what I'm saying? What I'm saying is that in order for the best thing I can do for the next person to succeed is always to make sure I go out and succeed myself. That's my personal belief. The next person may not believe that, but that's what my personal belief is. And I, I believe you similar to me, Ms. Kiki is that I'm an empath. So when I get around people, I start feeling their energy. I start going to their level, even though I'm trying to bring them up because of the nature of who I am. I start coming to their level, their energy and start feeling who they are and feeling that. And that now affects me. I have to bring myself up out of it and bring you up out of it. So it's better for me to come in with this whole kind of bubble around myself and say, come along with me. This is what it can be like. I had to realize for myself that, And I, and I learned this through 12 step programs that I need to, in order for me to be selfless, I must first be selfish. I get myself to a place where I can now feeling a full of abundance and overflowing with love and joy and compassion. And now that spills over onto you. And it becomes easy to do because it's my overflow. And I'm constantly in a state of building me and loving on me, even though my worst days, trying to some, sign some way to love on me. My worst day, I might not go out around other people because I'm gonna do some self care to bring my stuff back up, right? And now it becomes overflowing. That's a little more difficult when you got kids because you got to be on all the time. <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, I gotta do. I I'm giving forth from my abundance, and the beautiful thing is. The majority, I, I used to say everyone has it, but for the majority of people, cause I've, I've come across some people who really do have depression. There's nothing, they have not been able to find a way out of it. And there's nothing they've been able to do drugs, chemicals, spirituality, nothing. That's just maybe who you are. God just made you that way. I'm sorry. <laughs> you might want to accept that. But I would say for the majority of people, you're already living in abundance, to love and joy. You may not be getting it from your immediate circle, That means it's time to step out of that circle and find a new circle. Right. But it's out there for you. And because it's out there for you already, I am the one who's limiting what I can get. Now I, I understand there might be some people in third world countries or whatever that are stuck in a situation. But I also understand a person named Victor Franco wrote about in Man's Search for Meaning being in a concentration camp that he still found a way to find joy and find meaning in a concentration camp where everyone around him is dying, family separated from his family and all of that. So if that person can do it, so can you.
0: Well, and you know, I don't want people to think that I was walking around mad for 55 years. Mm-hmm, I didn't, mm-hmm. but I wasn't totally happy.
2: Yeah, yeah. And well, there's a difference, Miss Kiki, between happiness and joy. Right. You can still have joy, but not be happy.
0: Well, and when it came to me, I was working at a job that I had built into my career. I loved what I did, but the culture around me uh-huh. was destroying me mm-hmm. and I'd go to work every day thinking today's going to be different, but it wasn't, it was different in my office when I was doing what I loved doing. But as soon as I had to step out of the office and be around other people
1: mm-hmm.
0: that were not happy in doing what they were doing, they were following one rule after another, mm-hmm. which didn't make them happy. I found, I was, I felt like I was dying inside. And my son one day said to me, mom, why are you so depressed? And I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not. He goes, yes, you are. And it kept going back and forth. And finally, a couple of days later, I was getting up, getting ready for work. And I turned to my husband and I said, I can't go in today.
1: Hmm.
0: He said, are you sick? And I said, no, I'm depressed. Uh And he just looked at me and said, but you go in when you're sick. You go in all the time. You work 12 hours a day. You never stay home. Uh And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to Uh have to. And that was the beginning of me leaving the job because I knew I was killing my family. I heard it in my husband's voice. You work all the time. You go there when you're sick. Mm -hmm. I used to tell people my office was my home
2: because (laughs) I.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to do all those great things I did in my office Mm -hmm. and I was safe there. But again, once I walked out, I wasn't. And. I've had individuals Including my own brothers, who have said to me, "How did you make that change after all those years?" And I said, "It was either make the change, or be miserable for the rest of my life." That doesn't sound like fun at all.
2: Right, right. So let me ask you this, Ms. Kiki. In that in that moment, if you can remember back uh, to to that moment, or that that day, yeah, what was it that helped you? come to that realization? Was it a feeling? Was it just a, a, a was it a plus minus, you know, chart? What was it that was like, yeah, that's it, no.
0: No, worry. because my son had said it so many times, uh-huh. I started thinking about it. And that's when I realized when I was doing what I was supposed to be doing in my office. Oh. So um, I was a recruiter at a college, but in addition i had to support my students as they went through school okay so we didn't have counselors we sort of did both jobs but i would have students come in telling me they wanted to be a nurse mm-hmm. and within 5 minutes they told me they can't stand being around sick people they don't like blood and was like no You're not going to be a nurse, okay? But I was leading them in other directions to find out what else they could do. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to me that I had that ability to have that conversation and to have that person who walked in who said they wanted to be a nurse realize, you know what, I really don't. But now I have other choices I didn't know about. So I'm going to think about it, and then I'll come back. And I'll register for school. And that's where I loved my job. The administrators on the other side of the door didn't like that because I had students who weren't registering when they came in to see me. They eventually came back. Right. And that's when my son said it and all of a sudden I realized I can't do this anymore. Because I'm fighting the system And I don't want to fight
1: anymore.
2: Okay. Okay. it's interesting. I was fascinated by it. I love those, those moments is where Jim Rohn would say the day that turns your life around. So that's, I'm interested in those moments. That's fascinating. Thank you for that.
0: I think your sound went down for a minute.
2: Okay. (laughs) Lean in.
0: Oh, that's better.
2: Okay. <laughs> I yeah, I got the lead in back and was feeling good <laughs> I, what you were
0: saying. I just looked over at my soundboard and you're talking and there was no sound coming up okay. so for all of you out there listening it was not your computers or your your phones or anything like that um so let's go back to you mm-hmm. when here you are for 9 months yep. in jail with other people who probably have been in and out numerous times, Mm -hmm. how did you survive that knowing that you wanted to do better? You didn't want to make mama cry. You wanted to make mama proud. You wanted to make yourself proud.
2: Focus. Honestly, it was just about focus. And again, it might be a blessing. I might, have had I been on a different block or in a different dorm, I might not have had the opportunity. What I did on there is created a routine, and I still follow a very similar routine. And in that routine, it was about me doing certain things. How do I build myself mentally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And so I had things that I was doing based upon my feeding schedule, my feeding schedule is how I based my day. Yeah. So I might get up in the morning and do some reading, of some sp- uh, the Bible, things of that nature, go to, and then we have breakfast. Then I will get into whatever activities you're supposed to be doing for that day. Then I'll exercise before lunch. And after that, then it's time for some type of Bible study, whether reading, playing around or whatever things socializing. Um, Before I do the Bible study, either I was going to be leading the Bible study or part of the Bible study. Um, And then we have our dinner. So that that was kind of what I was doing repeatedly day in and day out. So being on that didn't allow room for me to be getting caught up in everybody else's mess. I had a focus and I was talking about some of the old heads, some of those people that were like in and out. It was like just my do what they say, stay in your own lane. That's it. You stay in your own lane. You won't get caught up in all the, any of that type of stuff. People leave you alone. And that earned some respect. Because also, because I have, uh, I was a little more educated than most of the people in there, they might ask me questions about homework or things that they're working on, trying to write papers or work on their case or whatever. So they would ask me questions. So that being part of that support system and helping people gave me more value. Um, but I also was someone that had I had a little money when I came in there. So I had like a store and all this other type of stuff too. So that earned a little more respect too. (laughs) Got it. Got it. At at the end of the day, being able to add value and focusing on what I was staying in my lane and just adding value, becoming more valuable and adding value helps me stay away from all the negativity that, it's easy to get caught up in not only inside, but outside where we have it in the news, social media, or whatever you open your, you open up your app for Google or whatnot, or Chrome or whatever you gonna get onto. And it's telling you the stuff that's happened in the world. reminding right. you Yahoo and everything. The whole page is full of stuff.
0: So you got out, you've made these changes. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to sit down and write books because you are an author?
2: Oh, yeah. The, the, it actually happened while I was still in and I, I, <laughs> we had, I had a little yellow piece of legal pad and I had a few pieces of paper, folded them together or drew a little cover on the outside and wrote a table of contents. And I started writing the first version of what a book that I wanted to write for my son and for my children. Cause I was like. I don't know if I'm going to come back again because history of proven every two or three years, I was in, in trouble again, probation, whatever it may be. So I wanted to write a book while I was sober minded on what it takes to change. Because again, I grew up knowing the right principles. I knew what they were. I just wasn't following them. <laughs> so I wrote them all down. And when I when I was released, I was like, I need to do, write these all out. So I typed them all out. Um, come around November. It was like 20 pages. It was like 20 pages of glory. That's yeah. what I used to, I love the call it 20 pages of glory. I love it. This is awesome. I'm an author, right? Uh, Miss Kiki, I didn't do anything with it for 18 months. Cause you spoke, you met, you asked the question about, you know, I got out and I started living these living right. Right. Well, I needed to live out my principles that I was talking about in the book. That's what I felt I needed to do before I felt I should be able to publish it. Cause one of my mentors um, Zig Ziglar talked about him writing a book and it was going to be released to the publishers. Right. But he felt like he needed to lose all the weight so that when the book was released, he actually was in alignment with the book. And I, that was in part of my head one, because he had also was the person to put it in my mind that everyone should write a book. And of course I thought everyone should write a book. Yeah, I should write a book. Then he followed that statement up with this, but not everyone should publish. <laughs> it's okay.
0: That is very
2: true. <laughs> so it was 18 months of me living out the principle, principles of the book where I finally was like in a position to receive someone else telling me to go out and stop taking God's glory and share his story. So that's what shifted in me to says, go ahead and publish that book. It was written, did nothing with it. Did lift them out, and now it's time to go ahead and um, prove show that hey, I've done these prints myself. They work. as um, a testament to everything that I believe in. Here it is.
0: Well, and you know, I think it's also really important for our listeners to understand that success and fulfillment mm-hmm. is different for each of us. Absolutely. Um, I had somebody the other day. Who um I've worked with in the past, and he said to me, "Karen, when will you finally know if you're successful as a podcaster?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he was getting to a point, and I knew what he was trying to ask me because about a year ago, even though I have seven other podcasters that are part of New Cleveland Radio, mm-hmm. I decided that with my my show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I had to record two to three episodes a day (laughs) and you know, I just never had time for anything. I was recording my other people. I was recording myself. I was preparing to become a coach. And he said, you know, you don't have to record that many. I said, but there's so many great people out there. I want to get their voices heard. Mm -hmm. And he goes, is that, what you really want to do. And I really did. But then he made me go back and start listening. And he said, by the end of the week, you're exhausted. Mm. And he said, and if your guest doesn't know what to say, there's too much silence because you've used up all your energy at the beginning of the week.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And then I thought about that. I was equating success with how many episodes I had.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I finally said, you know what? I don't need to do that many per week. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pick and choose who I want to have on. And sometimes you really don't know because you're reading a bio, okay? (laughs) And you say, well, that bio sounds really great. And then the person comes on and says, oh, I don't know why I do what I do, but I like doing it. It's like, oh my God. (laughs) So success is different for all of us. And like you said, you held on to that book Mm -hmm. before you published it. Because without the changes in you, the book probably would fall flat on its face.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and like you, there was someone else who help me change that belief. Like to give me a different perspective, like, all right, you, and I, and I like calling those, you know, the, that's God coming in in a different ways, course correcting you. All right. You've been on this path. It's time to turn left. Okay. Veer left or whatever you want to go. Right. Uh, and it may bring somebody else, it might be a book. It might be a podcast. It might be a friend, a coach mentor that gives you that little, like, what about this? And you be in a position, me being in a position to receive it and be like, huh. You have something there. Maybe I do need to change perspective at this point and shift where I need to go. So I, I commend you for being able to do that, considering how much work you was doing, not only to be successful, but then turn around and look at, all right, I'm still receiving information from someone, still learning okay. on how to do better what I'm doing. So that, that I think that's a fantastic story. Well, now, in- my definition for success, I got from Earl Nightingale who said that uh, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And it isn't necessarily you actually hitting it, but you have a worthy ideal and you're every day making progress towards that ideal. Which again, like to your point, I need to define what that looks like for me.
0: Well, and I remember, and I've said this probably on every podcast (laughs) I'm on, that um, when my mother was, ill and dying. I was staying with her. Mm-hmm. And one day I said to her, I'm going in the living room. I have, I have a podcast to record. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she said, Oh, okay, honey, you go do your work. Mm-hmm. And I went to the other room. I did the podcast. When I was done, I came back in and I told her I was done. And she says, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Are you a famous podcaster i said mom i'm the most famous podcaster in this house and you know i'm famous as much as i want to be famous okay mm-hmm. um but the funny part of the whole thing is is that back in uh 1968 when i was graduate when i was graduating high school going on to college mm-hmm I wanted to go into communications and broadcasting. And my parents said, are you crazy? Women are never going to really make it in broadcasting. Go get your teaching degree or we're not going to pay for college. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So I went away to school and I took the courses that I wanted to take. Mm -hmm. And I took all the communication courses and I ended up with an associate's degree and I asked my parents to come for graduation And they refused Mm. he said you just wasted our money Mm. so if you want to continue in school you'll have to figure out a way to pay for it
1: Mm.
0: i didn't go back to school until nine two thousand and nine and i got my bachelor's and i got my master's and i proved to myself i could do it and that's when i said okay I want to be a famous broadcaster. <laughs> I'm going to get a microphone. I'm going to use the internet and I'm going to do it. Let's do it. But, and that's, that's what I saw in your message, in your bio, mm-hmm. do it, mm-hmm. go out and do it. If you don't, you only have regrets.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My daughter was, I think, we're, I think it was yesterday we were going our way to karate practice I forget what we were listening to, uh, but she was like, daddy, you remember showing me your first videos on YouTube and how bad they were. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Cause she's eight and she's just saying, she was honestly just having a conversation with me. She thought nothing of it, the wording she was using. And I'm like, yeah, that should be a reminder for you to be okay with doing it bad. Eventually, you will figure it out if you keep working at it. So, I absolutely do that.
0: And we learn from those mistakes. Mm -hmm. However, I was brought up in an era Mm
2: -hmm. where
0: you weren't supposed to make mistakes. Okay. If you didn't know how to do it, you better ask and Mm -hmm. learn Mm -hmm. because making a mistake meant, you know, the teacher took a ruler and slapped your hand. They could do Mm -hmm. it back then. Or uh, your parents would get you a tutor because you weren't doing things the right way. I was always terrified of those things. So I always tried to do things the right way. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I didn't really learn how to look at my mistakes as lessons Mm -hmm. until I was in my 50s if i was making dinner for my husband and it didn't come out right the excuses came out the oven's not working right Uh they left an ingredient you know the recipe left an ingredient out there's always a reason because if i would have said yeah i messed up you know that would have made me look poor Uh this way it was like okay honey Let's get your oven checked. Okay, let's go to the grocery store and get that other ingredient. Mm -hmm. When all of a sudden I changed and I started telling my husband, yeah, I didn't do that correctly. Mm -hmm. He'd look at me and go, really? He said, I really thought you were a perfect person. (laughs) And that's when the us sat down and laughed because he knew all along what was going on with me. I didn't really realize it. I just figured that's how, that's how you survive. Mm -hmm. Well, now if I make a mistake, a lot of times I'm really proud of it because Mm -hmm. I'll pick it apart and learn from it.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely learning more from my failures and my successes. Absolutely. It's the, the idea of resilience, is one of the keys or resilience. And um, as Miss Angela Duckworth, Dr. Angela Duckworth would call it, grit is key to success in almost every every successful person at whatever level you want to call it, um, their, their success. And that at some point they were f- met with a failure or a loss or not good enough, didn't make the cut, whatever you want to say it is. It didn't hit the word they really were trying to achieve. But something about them said, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get better at this. This is not the end. You This is not the last time you will see me. And that's one of the things I had. I wanted to build in my daughter because it became so natural with me and that I'm going to go figure it out. I don't know if my parents ingrained in me. I don't remember them really reinforcing it other than the belief is like, you know, you can do what you want. So if I can do what I want, well, then that means I can figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and part of that, I have to, gotta be honest here also, is I believe it was from playing video games. Playing video games like uh Super Mario Brothers, because that's when I was growing up, Super Mario Brothers, where you fail. And then you gotta like, all right, next time I'm gonna try this, boom, 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 and then ABA and jump and then do figure it out, right? Boom, that didn't work. Ah, all right, next time I run a little faster. And so that trying to win that gaming, that gamifying life, the game theory helped me to get over a lot of things and on the computer screens where, or the TV screens where it was safe, but now it was like, how do I translate that same type of behavior to my life where it may not always be safe? Because as a teenage driver. <laughs> I were
0: here where you're going.
2: <laughs> I tried some stuff. I probably should have been trying because it was not a video game. Yep. However, that same mentality of I want to try it and figure it out. Oh, that didn't work. Let me try it again and figure it out. Like, I've spent thousands of dollars on Facebook ads just trying to figure out how to do them right properly. Thousands of dollars. Are people still like, you're going to spend more? Yep. Because <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. When I figure it out, I don't have to worry anymore. I'm good. The same thing with the book. I'm going to figure this book out. I don't know exactly everything I need to do, but I'm going to look at this one, look at that. Oh, that didn't work. It took me a whole week to write, uh, to design the first cover of my book, because I didn't know how to design a book. So I'm spending hours every day, trying to do it in Microsoft word. I was trying to design <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to design it in Microsoft and you could, I, that cover. And because I was so proud of it, the cover that you see from my first book was literally designed in Microsoft word. Now all the rest of my covers, I've been designed professionally. <laughs> I'll let someone who knows what they're doing do it. But it took me a week of tweaking and figuring out that didn't work. That didn't work. Getting a print cover done and it's like, oh, that looks bad. Redoing it, like, and figuring it out. There, um, Marie Folio has a great book and a great word, if you will, called saying everything is figure outable. Not quite a word, but she made it a word. Everything's figure outable. So go figure it out.
0: Well, you know, I find it interesting because um, my youngest son, who's now in his 30s, um, he was diagnosed on the spectrum when he was six. Mm -hmm. So up until the day he was diagnosed, he was so-called normal, Mm -hmm. okay? All of a sudden, he got a diagnosis, Mm -hmm. and things changed. The school changed him. Doctors changed him. My husband and I changed overnight because, hey, this is what you got to do now. And um, when he was mid-20s, he always knew what he wanted to do. And he got a job for Major League Baseball. uh, Mm. Not playing baseball, but still as close as he could be. And he put his whole heart and soul into it. And it's the first place he wasn't afraid to make a mistake. Wow. And I asked him why. He said, because I love being here. I will admit to my mistakes. I will ask for help when I need it, which he did. Mm-hmm. And he just grew. Yeah. And this past year, um he chose to leave not because he didn't like it, but because Right now, there was no room for growth. So Mm -hmm. he went to them and he said, I'm going to have to leave. I hope I'll come back someday. Mm -hmm. He's now living on his own Mm -hmm. and he's learning even more. And every day when he talks to me, I just sit here like amazed because somebody told us when he was six years old, he was going to be limited. Now, his dad and I never believed it, but the school did.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: so we kept fighting the school, give him a chance, give him a chance. It was like, leave your poor child alone. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? He didn't want to be that poor child left alone. And I think there are so many of us out there like that, Mm -hmm. that we have it deep in our gut and we can go out and do what we need to do. But sometimes we need, you know, you to say to somebody, I'm here what is it you really want to do how do you think you want to get there that's what we do in this business and I'll tell you it is the most rewarding business because it opens my eyes to things that I can do as well
2: oh absolutely oh, that's you, you love it when I don't I don't sometimes our coaches or our students whatnot don't believe us until they to their shoes on the other foot right but we don't believe us when we say i learned just as much as from you as maybe you're learning from from me if not more i might be learning more I'm like yeah whatever like no oh, truly i am yeah.
0: <laughs> absolutely um you know like i said i just started coaching and i'm finding some of the individuals that i'm working with yep. uh, i'm so grateful because i am learning things and yep. i'm learning things about myself that nobody else had ever touched on before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think we all have to give ourselves that opportunity to open our hearts, open yeah. our arms and listen to what's going on around us so that we can all grow together.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that I have. So one of my toughest clients, if you will, was my sister. She's successful. Um, she makes more money than I do at this point. I raised her well. <laughs> you know, I did sister when I saw if you're listening to this, when you listen to this, because she's listening to all my interviews. Um, but no, she she works very hard. She's very competitive. But she wanted me to help her in uh, this life coaching portion because there's things that, there's mindsets that I have that she wanted to adopt. Hers was been more of, I'm going to push through it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to keep grinding until I get, until I figure it out. And it adds a lot of stress to her and she wanted to figure out how to come past that and be more just free, more, um, more enjoy the process more than she was doing, but she had all these things that were stopping her from really listening to me, not only from, because I'm the big brother, but also because her internal dialogue, the internal dialogue had got her to that level of success was like, you're not good enough you're not working hard enough so she would do extra because again part of the our family is you can do it so right. regardless of what her brain was telling her she pushed through it and she succeeded in spite of it she used that as a as momentum to go to 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 push through it but that is hard it's so hard to constantly be trying to to defeat yourself and when it is that much resistance to where you're trying to go right what I had to do with her so many times was tell her to be quiet. We're on a call. We're we're going doing some coaching or whatnot, and I've had to use. The, I, I've done this with multiple other people after this, but this is the first person I did. Not why it was most difficult because my first time facing this type of resistance from a from a client, right? From a student, like, be quiet. I, I you are giving me so much resistance right now. That you're not hearing anything that's he- that I'm trying to present to you. I don't. I'm not going to tell you everything I'm saying is right, but what I do know is this: if you keep giving me resistance, you're not receiving anything anyway. So I might as well just be talking to myself, <laughs> and I don't need to talk to you to talk to myself. I don't need you. I either. love it. So, now it was the first time I said that she didn't like it. She got mad. Call was done our next call, she was like, you're right. I'm trying to, I'm I'm ready to listen. And we had to come up with a way of, if you will, a safe word where if she got to a certain point where she was getting frustrated or and she knew she wasn't listening, she was shutting down that she could tell me. And so it was a safe space for us to deal with that. If that meant give her some time if that meant go tell her, you know, to let's do some breathing or let's make a joke and talk about kids or whatever, and then get back to it. Let's take a pause, recalibrate, get grounded again, get your get you do some mindfulness, whatever you need to do to get come back to this moment, and let's continue pushing forward. And then accepting having her give me this agreement. And this is part of the reason why I include it in what I call the win of the win of um, win of formula. Cause I, like, I only work with winners and I only make winners. It's an acronym. So we would go through what's works, what's working right now. What do you need to improve? What things of note do you want to talk about? Did you think, and then the next N is for, did you, the things that, did you do what you said you're going to do? So what other notes we have from last week's activities, and then we make action steps. So there's three A's action steps. And then we have, um, what, what things are going to, uh, things that are going to stop you from going forward. Okay. So, What's going to stop you? And then how are we going to overcome them? Absolutely. The last A was as agreements. So she needs to give me on a scale of one to 10 on how you feel like you're going to go do this extra action that you've agreed to do. And if they're not an eight or above, then we got some more work to do. But when when she comes to her and says, I'm going to, I agree to doing this work and we come back next week, you haven't done it. All right, we'll forgive it. Something might have happened. You come back the second week and you still haven't done it. We got some work to do because you've agreed to do certain things. I'm not pushing you. I'm not telling you to do anything. This is what we agreed to do. What can we do now to move forward? And that loving, but still pushing and not allowing her to let her negativity come into the moment. She got to the point now where she's like, (laughs) she doesn't allow other people to talk certain ways. She put her foot down at work uh, because she still loves her job. You know, she has these coach on the side. She put her foot down at work, stopped taking all these extra tasks and so forth, started letting people push her around because they knew they could. because she would do what she could to overcome and make them feel good about her, and make them right. she wanted to change that image of them, of herself in their eyes. Um and she just started shifting. The negative self-talk changes. It still comes, but now of she has tools to, to overcome them in those moments. Or she knows, I need to stop and go walk in nature. I need to go for a run. I need to go cook, you know, things of that sort of to fill herself back up. But it was stopping her from stopping herself that allowed me to help her move forward. And those are I the, those, that. those moments, not as the, you know, the big brother, proud of a little sister type thing, but also being able to do the same thing with other clients when they're trying to the resistance about writing the books and being like, stop. I don't want to hear any more excuses about why you can't get this book done because I'm going to give you all the tools to overcome those excuses. And then what are you going to say?
0: I love it. Toolbox is very, very important to get Mm -hmm. through our path. It was wonderful having you on. Tell us how we can find you so we can put it in the show notes and um, follow along with you.
2: Absolutely. Uh, My, my, you can find me at D Arlando Fortune all over these internet streets. All over these internet streets. You put in D Arlando Fortune, you'll find me. Again, that's D Arlando. That's A-R-L-A-N-D-O Fortune. Um, yeah, that's that's the best way to find me on there. And anyone that's looking to try to make that change, that shift in their life right now. Um, I guess. We'll put on here. We can go. I'll give them a free copy to, for listening to the show because you brought me on okay. here. I love it. And it's the second show we've done for Cleveland Radio. So let's do <laughs> something special. So um, they can go to unlimited potential com slash Kiki, K I K I. And I will make sure they get a free copy of my first book, Unlimited Potential How to Stop Living with Fear, Doubt, and Uncertainty.
0: How wonderful. It's been exciting having you on today. Um, yes, I'm going to have to have you back. <laughs> Uh, like I said, we do a number of different shows here at New Cleveland Radio, and just getting your message out to just another segment of individuals out there I think would be wonderful. So I will be in touch soon, and enjoy the rest of the beautiful day.
2: Yes, ma'am. Appreciate Thank it.
0: you. Bye-bye right. now.